social security number, please. Okay. Is this a deposition? This is a deposition, oh, yeah. Oh, the state needs the record of my this. government name. Yeah, what is your full go- what's your middle name? Ray. 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 Like Ray Gunn. Like just Ray. <laughs> but I mean they like yeah. a Ray, like a space yeah, Ray. Like a space Ray. Yeah. Ray, like Ray of Sunshine. Whatever. What is the theory behind how Ray Guns work? You know, um, I think it has something to do with the crystals that found in the cosmic uh, systems. I don't know. The crystals out there. Yeah. They other just... inter like other planetary crystals. Yeah. Kind of like how Thanos did it with the, you know. Oh, the Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, the Infinity Stones. Kind of yeah. Like that. Something about. So you believe in the Infinity Stones? I mean, is that kind of your faith? Would you say? Sure. If there's a there's a higher power, it probably there comes should from, be. Probably comes from Infinity. Stones. Somebody needs to. Now would be the time to sort of revamp like a like a Scandinavian like Norse gods or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and kind of take it serious. Like try to you know figure out what general rituals those right. folks who worshipped. Because everyone believes in like Thor and Thanos. You know, Marvel did the legwork yeah. for you. Yeah. Your evangelism Odin is and, done, yeah. dude. Like those are all Yeah. The gospel is out. People believe they put their faith in Thor. People mm-hmm. really, if you could build it around Iron Man, that's the big one. Yeah. You know. Well and and you know, you you talked about Mars last time. And that got me thinking because oh yeah he uh, Logan was saying he wanted to go to Mars yeah, or something yeah he'd, he'd love to live to see that day and, and travel out there but um, there's a working theory that life may have existed on Mars because they did find water um, frozen beneath the beneath the surface of Mars so. I uh, I was pretty intrigued by that Ryan Reynolds movie I never watched it but I remember seeing the previews where like the Whatever life form entered Mars killed everything, mm-hmm. and they got a piece of it. These astronauts, and then they're coming back to, to, to. I was gonna say America, but I guess Earth. They're yeah. coming back to Earth, and uh, probably America, if we're being honest. It was an American movie, sure. and Ryan Reynolds. or maybe well, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian. Yeah, though, isn't he? he is Canadian. Maybe they're going back to Canada. Canada. It's oh, right on the cusp. Got to get this DNA sample American back to, Toronto. Um, yeah. Anyway. No, it yeah, it it's uh, but the thing comes alive or whatever on the on the ship and starts eating them and, and Ryan Reynolds starts figuring out like wait a second, mm-hmm. Mars maybe had a thriving civilization and then this you know, yeah, virus came along. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I'm sure you've seen it. It's been all, on all the social media. It's just a, um, it has no substance whatsoever. But it's like you know, what if? We we lived on Mars and we only had space to send two people and it was Adam and Eve and you know that's the whole oh like like integrating the Christian yeah. story with the Mars story that's Essentially, interesting yeah that's interesting because like it's I remember for interpretation though. I remember there was this movie that came out that was by you know Ben Stein Bueller mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, he did a movie called Expelled and it kind of hit like the Christian uh, apologist like circuit and um, and. It was, so he was sort of speaking as a Jew about, I think it was particularly Richard Dawkins. Like, I think Richard Dawkins had maybe just come out with a book, like, I don't know, I get I get Dawkins and Hitchens books kind of confused, even though I know they're really different characters, but um, I don't know, and he was saying, he sort of, the movie sort of culminated with Ben Stein accusing, like, Dawkins at some point says, like, if, uh, if, if, if life didn't happened first on earth we we might have been life might have been implanted here by an alien species and so ben stein's sort of conclusion was you do believe in an intelligent designer just not one that resembles the christian god but admit that you believe in some sort of intelligent designer because you believe in an alien that sent a seed here whatever so it's really intriguing i've I've thought about that before yeah i mean it's it was a little bit it was a little bit corny and like uh Christian, I mean, kind of evangelist, because it all came through like the the Christians were really like, hey, the guy from Ferris Bueller is yeah. on our team now, even though well he's still a Jew, but you know we're we're all we're cool, yeah, we're all good, hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's a new way to look at things, man. Yeah, man. I'm glad that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. We're bringing you new, interesting perspectives on how yeah. the world is yeah. and where life came from. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's 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 a hard way to hard way to go really to 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 be so set in stone that um you know oh well the 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 thing the entity that that uh that created us 
is just a bearded man in the sky. You know, it's it's you know whatever. It's it, it's personally, I just, I believe in a higher power, but I don't know. I don't know what that is. Mm. I, I'm not. You don't I'm know what it looks like. Not gonna put a name to it. I'm not gonna put a face to it. Whatever it is. If what, it's in, what did you What did you grow up thinking about those? Oh, questions? Catholic. Catholic. Super, yeah, I grew oh, Catholic. Wow. Um, went to the Catholic school. Wow. And that kind of stuff. So I don't think I knew that, dude. We probably talked about it, but uh maybe, maybe not. I don't. I mean, you I went all the way through eighth grade. No, I went. I went up to sixth grade. Okay. Because I shifted over after fourth grade from the Lutheran school. Third and fourth yeah. grade, I did there. Well, um, there was a. Um, I wanted to get into music and playing an instrument. Yeah. They didn't offer that at the Catholic school. At the time. Wow! So and I you're just, like, that's like a huge part of, of who, who I you am. are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for the most part. Because you started as a drummer. I was. I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this anyway, but yeah. I guess we'll get into it. Sure. I started as a drummer, uh, did. which shocks me because I heard you play like 25, you know, acoustic tracks mm-hmm. before I even knew you. You started as a drummer. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's playing sing. That's play and sing. Play in sync? Is that what you said? Play in sync. Play oh, and okay. sing. Oh, play and sing. Yeah, yeah. But you do love Bye Bye Bye. Bye. Oh, absolutely. In sync. Yeah, the, the that whole album. 2000. That whole No Strings Attached three, album was. 2002? 2000. Yeah, something like that. Maybe it's 2000. I don't know. Could be well, like Backstreet Boys did the Millennium album in 2000. Mm. Uh, and then I think. Did in, that have I Want It That Away? Uh, I believe so. But I'm, It's interesting. I Want It That Away. It's That Away, right? Uh, that away. It's it's funny because that away sounds like what like an old redneck would tell you. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That's that really that may just be our sort of uh, um, uh, accent, dialect, whatever. You know, do whatever they not say it. that away at I all? I don't think so. I think that's, I want it that way. Uh, okay, man. Yeah. I think it's just the you know where we grew up in. Maybe I just imagine Backstreet Boys is like a a folk band all yeah. these years. It's both speaking of folk music now. In a yeah, different so. universe, you know, the whole boy band thing mm-hmm. was replaced by like a, a glitzy, superficial yeah. folk. I mean, the folk the folk renaissance came a little later with Mumford and uh, I don't know whoever else was in that wave. The, uh, Mumford and Sons and, and all yeah. that. Yeah. I just uh, like Mumford. I, 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 I don't know any of the know. other sort of folky ones. Uh, there was Lumineers was kind of folky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pompamoose. Um I don't remember them. There's too much. some. Well, they're still they're still going around. But uh, I, I think her name's Natalie DePriest, I think. Yeah, she was big. She's yeah. yeah. I think I she's from Pomplamoose, or she is Pomplamoose. I don't remember. Oh, okay, but, but yeah. Um, do you like Imogen Heap? I do actually. I like well, I mean, you know, Hideaway or uh, Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek. Sorry. Not her, yeah, dude. Yeah, she invented. I'm obsessed lately because I figured out that she invented these uh, weird gloves. Yeah. That like uh, play music somehow, but she like wrote software as well. She did a TED talk about it, mm-hmm. and she talks about how, like, you know, how to build, how she built a software company. So it was this super fascinating, like, a chick yeah. who's clearly like in that pure artist mm-hmm. kind of realm, and like how she sort of like, the TED talk was really bizarre because it's just not at all like any other TED talk, which makes it kind of good because the TED talk format I think is is pretty played out like that, you know that like. And this is how people used to talk about Twitter as like insight porn, you know, mm-hmm. just like, ooh, here's insight I thought of today. And it's like, I think maybe the internet moment of like 20 minute inspirational videos or, mm-hmm. you know, 10 to 10 to 20 minute inspirational videos yeah. has kind of been replaced by long form, which is, which is why mm-hmm. I'm interested. Maybe in evolved, you know, evolved into that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's stretch it out. Let's slow it down. Mm-hmm. We're not as like crunched for time. It's not as much about like that grabbing eyeballs because like grabbing eyeballs game seems like it's moved over to TikTok where it's like a one minute clip, I think mm-hmm. is the most you can do. Yeah. It's so kind of like man. Vine 2.0 really. Yeah, it is Vine 2.0, man. It is. It's a little bit longer. And cooler for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. I mean, Vine at the end was like Tumblr. It was just like this kind of like, some people were into it. And if they mm-hmm. were into it, like especially the celebrities in that world. Yeah. They were like well-known, like iconic guys. And it doesn't seem like many of them, like they've just kind of switched over to being, I don't know, Instagram, Twitter influencers. They're not really, they don't really have like sure. the media side as much. It yeah. doesn't seem like. They had to find their, well, they, I think they found their medium in like seven second videos because... Mm-hmm. You know, you you meet those kind of people, and mm-hmm. and I'm I'm one of them. I think where like you're you can be funny real funny for seven <laughs> seconds, yeah. But after that, you're just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm I I consider myself witty, so 
I have, I'll have a, you know, real quick. I've heard that about you. Win. Somebody said Nate is the best seven seconds you'll ever have. Thought, <laughs> yeah, okay, I mean, they're, that... they're not wrong. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's really funny. I, it's funny to watch the mediums evolve and like, um, we have a mutual friend who's been making TikToks lately and like, and singing a bunch and he seems to be having like, you know, getting like some really interesting people engaging with this stuff and I think yeah. it's just kind of a cool, and it's kind of how like I, I have, um, I have Jake's Bad Sketches LLC, yeah. which is not an actual LLC. I should disclaim that right uh, now. Yeah. But I think it's funnier to have it in the name. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's sort of how I use that. It's just like this. There's this. There's this part of me that like, I've been trying to sort of embrace the shadow lately, you know, and kind of like unify both sides of yourself. I've realized that there is like, there's like two sides of of of. I don't know. I've, I've been getting into Jungian like psychology a bunch lately. Yeah. So I'm just sort of like, it's kind of that idea of like facing your fears. I had a buddy who I was talking to recently and he was saying like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get back to what we were just talking That's about. Okay. But, um, we'll circle around. He was, he was talking about facing your fears. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's sort of like what Jung says, like you can either, uh, you need, you should turn around and face your fears because one, it's trumped up and it's not as bad as it seems. Or two, it is as bad as it seems, but running away from it is not going to get rid of it. So, like, you have to face it. So, facing it either way is kind of the way to go. Yeah. Um, but not that, like, the bad sketches is, like, my dark side. But it's kind sure. of that keeping that side of you that's really unsure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't think of myself as, like, a visual artist. I, n- I never have. I've always thought drawing was cool and comics were really cool yeah. and superheroes were really cool and, like... You know, even little like uh, Charles Schultz is like those types of like that format, that medium of exchange, like, which is probably about seven seconds too, honestly, if you really think about how long it takes to read like a Peanuts newspaper strip. Yeah. It's the original Vine. Exactly. (laughs) It's pretty much what I was going to say. It's it's just a, it's an on-paper version of Vine. Yeah. Um, I'm so intrigued, dude. I mean, I think we're, we're dialing right into what I was really hoping we would talk about, which is kind of like that. Uh, um, that sense of excitement that exists in like the digital creative world, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of waned for me. Like, like for a long time, I thought, man, like the publishing opportunities for people who have ideas that want to be shared yeah. are just so limitless online. But when you get into the nitty gritty of, of how it's how everything's kind of evolved, like it, you can still make it work. Like you can still have your blog and whatever. But in terms of like the zeitgeist, it seems like. Everything is about uh, the quick attention sort of grabbing stuff, you know, the the big massive like posts that perform yeah. really well yeah. or the or the clickbait or the clickbait <laughs> or yeah. the TikToks or whatever and it's like it's hard to really evaluate what being a successful creator even looks like. <clears throat> Again, I've circled like I haven't really messed with podcasts for mm-hmm. 5 years or whatever, but I've kind of circled back around here cuz it's just it's such an honest like a uh, such a raw format. And, and if people are coming to spend an hour with you, mm-hmm. like you pretty much feel like they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt yeah. a lot of well, times, and, which is, which and, is what we're all looking for a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and the point, the point of doing it is not always for the viewers. Sometimes it's for you and, and to kind of see your thing through and that's, yeah. that's or listener, I guess, in this point, but that's kind of the point of, of art and, and expression yeah. is, is that's, that's what it is. It's just an expression of your soul. And I'm, you know, saying that to lead up to, I'm, I'm really impressed and I really love what you do with, you know, even with Temptation and, and, oh, and yeah, yeah, your zines and, and your, you know, your sketch group and all that stuff because you're not, it's not about the quality of the work, it's about the expression that you put into it and, you know, it, it you can find beauty in anything if you know where to look and yeah that, that kind of helps push that stuff along and, um, you know, you'd talked about, you talked to me about opening like an LLC for, um, publishing like you were yeah. doing, like you said and, and I think that's 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 the kind of the kind of stuff this place needs you know in, in my opinion yeah because we just I don't know for some reason it's it's really a, a creative um junkyard around here you know yeah. what I mean like if you don't if you don't have something that's that's new and fresh you, you just kind of oh you know just start to the side because somebody already does that here and you don't need that and you know we don't need that around here so you just kind of feel like you can't express yourself, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's exactly right, man. And I, 
I think there used to be these sort of placeholder institutions mm-hmm. in in all towns, towns of all sizes. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And I think those institutions used to sort of push people towards creative expression, even if it's even if you're talking about stuff like community theater, which like literally in the in the last month, Mac has announced that that they're discontinuing their theater program. So there's all different you know, change.org petitions stuff. and stuff. And it's like it's tough because with the theater with the theater crowd, you're getting into a pretty liberal uh, base, and liberals tend to not have the same. And I, I'm, in a lot of ways, I'm a liberal, uh, but liberals tend to not have the same type of faith in entrepreneurship and like small enterprise as as I do. And I think a lot of that's rooted in like big city experience because in a big city, when you're talking about like a, you're talking about multi million dollar like uh, theater funds and mm-hmm. stuff. And like in our town, you're talking about Max Theater, which is legitimately like a pretty low paid community college professor yeah and, and you know a bunch in a bunch of in a bunch of local kids some of whom are maybe this isn't true for like mac performances but some of whom are just kind of getting a degree or whatever and it's like whereas in my mind it's like there would be a model for some sort of small you know with with all it's hard to talk about in the pandemic world but pretending pandemic never happens yeah. like you you have all of these empty theaters that most Fridays and Saturdays are completely empty. You have all these restaurants that probably could provide something. I mean, you could do you could come up with some weird little concepts for like dinner theaters or mm-hmm. comedy nights or whatever it is. But nobody really wants to like stand behind something yeah. and get that shit out there because it's it's like it's really kind of squeamish and it's easier just to, to oh well let's let Mac put on a performance. But when was the last time Mac dropped a performance that everybody in town was talking about like yeah. i mean unless you're in that kind of clique you're yes. not really hearing about it i i think that's the case mm-hmm. and like i'm i'm connected to the clique i got some friends who really passionately su- yeah. support and so you know i'm not trying to disparage anybody but it is kind of a it is kind of an interesting moment and i think uh, i think faith in people experimenting with the market is sort of an extension of you know that creative expression that we're talking about because yeah. because economic activity can be creative expression as much as anything can be you know what i mean yeah as and much as singing or whatever honestly i think that's some of the beauty in growing up in a small town because which you know it's it's getting bigger but it's still kind of a small town but growing up in a small town you 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 get to know people who are so kind of out there with expression and it's 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 an awesome thing to experience no you're right and you can be really close to them and have a lot of like frame of reference with Mm -hmm. somebody who's making something what's coming out of their soul is so different from what you could imagine sort of coming out of you yeah yeah and so like i think it's uh uh i think it's i think it's really interesting to think about um all these institutions that used to exist in these towns and like like even things like like the newspapers used to be a lot more dynamic. Like the you know the, um, uh, the the churches used to have a lot more going on with people coming in and and just vitality and things happening and sharing of ideas and stories. And I think that's what's what's not happening. We're not really sharing stories. We're we're sort of we're sort of all on on social media sharing attitudes, sharing impressions, and maybe trying to create a story over a longer narrative, but really most people are, are sort of failing. Like everything just seems to be so instinctual a lot of times. I mean, some people break the narrative and then, and then a lot of narrative just sort of like reverts to a, uh, a traditional, like here's our family Christmas photos. Mm-hmm. Here's a, and like that, there is a narrative there. It's just, uh, you're not, you're not, you're not really creating a, a lot of depth other than here's what we look like, you know, here's where we're standing. De- yeah. You can deduce the details from that, but. And you see a lot of that in the kind of down home feel of, of where we're at. You know? The Southern chic. Yeah. Kinda. We're in the Southern chic belt. Yeah. Chic belt. Chic belt. Anyway, uh, that's a chic belt you're wearing, by the way. Oh, thanks. Man. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I, you're welcome. I had no clue. I, uh, I, so, so we're talking about small organizations yeah. that foster creativity in small towns. It's really hard to think of, like, since since we've had a coffee shop, it's been sort of a constant conversation as to like, okay, how are we going to get you know things to to pop off? How are we? You know, so we've done concerts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's hard to get that 
sort of critical mass of people who are behind one type of creative expression enough that you can really build with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. but but you're in a uh, you're in a writers group. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's a Parkland Writers Group or Parkland Writers Parkland Writers Circle. Wow. Dude, yeah, I know that. Great was, sale. Butchered that. Let me try again. Huh? I'm not <laughs> editing any part of that out, by the way. I, I appreciate that. I, I hope I did him justice. No, <laughs> Parkland Writer Circle. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a writers group um, that is really just all inclusive. Um, you know, I, there's a there's a couple writers groups in the area that I know about. Um, I'm apologies, I don't know their names, but there's two other ones you think. I think there's two other ones. Yeah. I know there's a, one other one for sure, but I don't know its name. Um, and I tried to find it for and you. And you but. said that you think before we recorded, yeah. you think they have uh, a couple more successful, more publishing success potentially. Yeah. Does it seem like that was like one published author who kind of like, okay, I'm published now. I'm gonna start a writers club in the area. Sort I'm, of thing. I'm, not, I'm honestly not sure. I yeah. know that there there's a published author in the area that was a part of that group uh-huh. or close to that group. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I can't say one way or the other whether that was it or not. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's it's just it it doesn't really matter what group you get a part of if if you're if you're a writer or you think you want to write or you know, if that's something you even have ever kind of thought about it's yeah. it's nice to go there and kind of get that experience which i started back in january of 2020 oh shit so just so, a year yeah ago. just a yeah. year ago i started doing that and it's kind of opened me up um what was your talk about your writing journey before you got involved oh in sure that. i mean i've always wanted to write a book it's been something i've wanted to do since probably high school uh i was i was um blessed if you will i guess i i had the the i will fortunate okay <laughs> i had the fortunate experience to grow up and in, in, uh go to the catholic school which um which I, I the private schools around here are really good about the um you know literature the language arts classes uh-huh. and stuff and, and they really kind of hammered into you and and actually my one of my first jobs is, was at the um uh the the call center yeah, uh, StarTech uh, or whatever it was. Yeah, whatever yeah. it was before that. Yeah. Um, and one of our trainers was like, oh, you're fr- who, who's here from the Catholic school? And, you know, who went to the Catholic school? We raised our hands and she's like, I'm not worried about you on this part. You can just not pay attention because I know you've got your spelling and grammar down. Wow. I'm okay. like, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, it's kind of held true. Yeah. Um, and so it, with that being said, I kind of had the footwork for that there and, and – um, that's huge during those like critical like kind of yeah. elementary years to have confidence. I had a second grade teacher when I lived in St. Louis and she, I believe her name was Susan Burney. I think mm-hmm. she had published a book of poetry at like a, I remember it being like spiral bound, but me like at home just being like, no, like she, my teacher published yeah, this. Like, you know, it's a like, big thing. This is for sale somewhere. It's like yeah. somehow you took what we were like learning in, in the classroom and somehow it, it became attached to like a vocation, like mm-hmm. a mission in life, a purpose, something that can, you know, help sustain you, even if in a small way, because obviously this was like a public school teacher in the St. Louis system. She, she's an old lady. She'd been there a long time. Yeah. She knew what her vocation was like. But in my second grade mind, I'm like, she's also a poet. Like she mm-hmm. gets that late. She gets to to own that identity as well like that that those are very huge things and so it's like when you can be around uh proficiency like that or or even just confidence even if it's not even that whatever like confidence could go a long way at that age and you can sort out the kinks um of the grammar later but uh i i do remember like uh the lutheran school there was there was a a little more openness to creative projects Mm -hmm. and you could you kind of dive deeper because you weren't as as locked into a particular yeah. curriculum as the public schools tend to be when every teacher has 12 to 20 other right. teachers to compare her performance to. Mm-hmm. It's like, I imagine that can be a pretty competitive sort of space. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I've never had much empathy, uh, much sympathy only towards a couple teachers in my life. So like mm-hmm. I've sort of had these hardened calloused feelings towards what their life must be like. But recently um, I've really connected uh, with some family members who are teachers, and so it's like it's kind of softened me a lot lately. To like, man, yeah. that is a 
that's a tough role. And, and I know, like, I go back and forth on the, like, the digital world, the virtual, I'm, we're talking about teaching now, but. That's okay. The, the virtual world. That's part of it, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, education system's weird. And I think, I think that's actually a, a huge part of these, like, uh, writing groups and stuff. If, if, if our communities, like, in my perfect sort of semi, semi-libertarian uh, mind, like, there's so many clubs and things that you can be involved in that you can sort of join any club for a few months and have more proficiency than, you know, going through an entire school, which is obviously pie in the sky. But Mm -hmm. that idea that like I could experience, you know, learning formal geometry in the context of like a after school hangout with my buddies where Mm -hmm. we're all kind of poking around at how geometry works and how proofs operate. And we're competing with each other to like, Whatever, like I don't know how you incentivize all that stuff, such that the system is works. But, um, but like writing clubs, it seems like are are kind of the only vestige of um, continuing education for just average adults, other than potentially like a health and fitness sort of things, which is kind of a like continuing education for for PE or whatnot. Yeah. You know, like CrossFit is is like all class oriented, which it's. It's sort of, I, I know there was stuff like that, like Taibo and spinning class, but mm-hmm. CrossFit's kind of the one of our generation, um, yeah, it's, as far as I know, right? Like, getting... what other fitness, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, martial arts, yeah. which is what I do. My, my favorite is strongman, uh, yeah. and it's just lifting heavy things. Yeah, and, and that's know. not really, uh, that's not really, there's no class, there's no, no class. That's not around here. You, yeah. I mean, you pretty much have to be big, near a big city. I think the closest one is up in St. Louis, and it's called JD's Power Gym. Okay, I there's, know exactly where that's Yeah, at, there's yeah. one down in uh, Cape, I'm sure, yeah. you know, but around here, we don't see it. Um, I was, and so I've strong been part of, not about, you know, necessarily getting your tricep to pop in some particularly perfect bodybuilder way and glossed right. up and everything. It's it's like what you see on ESPN where they're like fucking pulling semi-trucks yeah. and stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, they're, uh, you know... If you're whatever interested in that, even somewhat interested, you know, Brian Shaw, uh, Eddie Hall, Half Thor Bjornsson, who played the mountain on Game of Thrones, okay. they're, they're all three, you know, world's strongest men. Yeah. Uh, I think Brian Shaw's got four titles. He's working on his fifth title. Wow. But anyway, those those kind of guys, yeah, they, they're pulling, you know, 20,000 pound planes and they're they're pulling they're pulling all this stuff. My I'm, One of my favorite events is the, uh, the log lift, which, yeah. you know, um, it, it essentially, uh, Big Z is, is a probably the, the best um, log lifter in the world. That's The logs have like hand mm-hmm. spots to yeah. put your hands so, in. Yeah, essentially it's, it's um, you know, the log lays horizontal in front yeah. of you and then it's got um, perpendicular bars on either uh-huh. side that you pick up and then you press it overhead. But Big Z, his name is Zadrunas Zaviskis. He's from Lithuania. Yeah. Biggest, um, probably the world's strongest man to is ever he live. Is super tall? What is he like? Um, I think he's like six five six uh, eight somewhere yeah. around there pretty big yeah. uh but anyway the the austrian oak uh is a log lift they do at the arnold classic and he he lifted that four times in a row and it's like 475 pounds somewhere Good like that lord so and overhead pushing that overhead yeah i mean it's crazy we, we just don't see that kind of stuff around yeah. here you know um when the pandemic hit i was a part of um one gym and we moved to the neck part of one gym and, and they, the lights got turned off they, well they switched owners and then we went to another gym and the lights Some, got turned off oh, okay, and then I went okay. to a third gym and yeah. they closed and wanted to focus on their MMA gym so uh, okay. I'm just like alright I guess I'm buying some equipment and working yeah. out at home which is essentially yeah. what what happened but. yeah and that's what everybody that I literally this morning I read some tweet or some article about uh, about how the surge in like a uh, the surgeon uh, buying home gym equipment. Mm-hmm. And now that I say that, I didn't think about this when I read the article, but I was at Dick's over the Christmas season buying some last-minute Christmas gifts, mm-hmm. and uh, I overheard a guy saying to somebody, like some lady was asking about dumbbells, and I overheard the the Dick's person saying, uh, we're pretty much like, uh, like they're sold before they get to the store because yeah. it's so hot right now. Everybody yeah. is working out at home. Uh, York Barbell, which is a big, you know, uh, barbell and weight company mm-hmm. um, out of New York, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or that area. Their stuff is, I mean, as soon as it hits the online uh, store that they've got more merchandise, it's gone within 30 minutes. Wow. It's just, it's, and, 
you know, finding iron, at, essentially it's around two pounds of, or two, $2 a pound, yeah. you know, so you're buying one forty five pound weight at $90 and you can't just yeah. buy one weight, you gotta buy yeah, two, yeah. you know, it gets expensive real quick oh, and, yeah. and I'm sure it, it takes time to make. So it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a growing, it's a growing thing to have home gyms. Wow. We should start a weight company, dude. Yeah, there you go. When, well, when the pandemic's we make, over, make lead weights just out of the yeah. so much lead around here. When um, you know, when when the pandemic is over, quote unquote over, mm. you know, you get you're, you're we're probably gonna see a big surge and like, hey, I'm selling my home gym equipment because I got to get out and socialize at the gym again. And, yeah, and uh, we may not. It, we may see more gyms closing down just yeah. because. So what? A, you're not at all a medical professional, so yeah. we'll disclaim that, but. So, uh, if, if, if we get the vaccine, is it, they're saying like a year of immunity? So is it going to be, well, it's not immunity. It's, it's not immunity. It's It's, essentially what I've read about the Pfizer vaccine, uh, which is the only one I read about was that it's, it's more of a, a preventative measure. And if you still get it, which is still a possibility, it just lessens the effects of it. So you're not hospitalized. You're not on a ventilator for however long and, and we can keep people from dying essentially yeah yeah which is which is the main goal here right right you're not a medical professional but you no, work at a hospital but yeah i work in i work in healthcare. okay <laughs> let's there say it that way i work See, in yeah. healthcare. sure yeah <laughs> uh, that'll work yeah yeah no that's a I, i'm i'm you always have known more since this thing started than than what i can sort of discern just based on that's what's interesting being in a small community mm-hmm. where maybe it's not just a small community, but having like a pretty diverse sort of yeah. group of, of folks you talk to. Like it's interesting to hear actually what's been happening at mm-hmm. the hospitals. Well, yeah, and disclaimer, like I don't I don't speak for you know yeah yeah the, for the sure hospital or anything for but, sure. Uh, well, like I, you know I talked to a few ER nurses that mm-hmm. have said that, like like they know when they're getting a lot of COVID patients in. Mm-hmm. They know when hey yeah we are getting tight on beds. Yeah, and essentially I've, that's I've what heard that. Worst. You know, that's only ratcheted up mm-hmm. since March when this thing really kicked off around here. I think everybody's experiencing that. You know, at one point, it was all over social media that St. Francis County was the hot spot in the country for COVID. Yeah, it was like, like, it was, and it's like what was it, number three? Or yeah. did it make it to number one I'm not for sure, like a, but a short period of yeah. one day of reporting? We had reported more new cases or something per capita mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, it's just... And, and I think it's just kind of bouncing all over the country at this yeah. point because... I've always said that Farmington is the center of the universe. So, yeah. yeah, I can uh, see that. Yeah, I've, and then and then like more things just confirm it. The longer mm-hmm. I've lived here, like like there's just more interesting. Like, you know, um, the conflict really does sort of come home here. And and one way that that I I like to talk about that is worse. We we had a mostly Democrat courthouse. Up until about like ten years ago, and this mm-hmm. is like long after, like like Obama was in office when we were still predominantly in our county a Democrat mm-hmm. area, and our governor was still a Democrat. Yeah, you know, and and he was, you know, he was the old school kind of middle Democrat, like I guess Bill Clinton ish, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you know they don't compare at all, but how do you even compare? Bill Clinton was a governor. He, he was Arkansas's governor, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, that's where yeah. he's from. He's, he's got a whole... I think it was um, Hot Springs, somewhere around Hot there. Springs, Hot Springs, wow. Arkansas, yeah. I've heard it's pretty down there, the Springs. Oh, yeah. um, I went in March yeah. uh, 2012. It, okay. was, yeah, it, was, it was nice. You just pulled March 2012. I yeah. can't um, remember. I'm pretty good with dates. I can rarely <laughs> remember what year things happen. <laughs> it was just March 2012, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so... Uh, but no, uh, this area like has only in the last couple years locally flopped over hardcore to, you know, pretty much the Republicans mm-hmm. who are running will snag the spot just because you got enough scared farmers at the polls. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't nod vigorously enough to that. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time. But I, I think we are really, really at a, a weird kind of turning point. Um, yeah. Well, and I think I think there's a lot to be said for the people that are in our area that are kind of like you know half of each. You know, like I've I've always said that I'm I've I've got I think like everybody have um, Republican ideals and I have Democrat ideals and and they just kind of meet in the middle. Some things I agree on one side about, some things I agree on the other, and it's not it's not about you know 
party. Yeah, loyalty. it's not about party loyalty. It's not about even being called it's libertarianism or progressive. It's so interesting because the system is so built to reward kind of party loyalty. So anybody who's like advancing, I, it's it's weird. Like there are state sanctioned Democrat and Republican local committees, and they're like oddly sanctioned through the state somehow. And I don't even know what that means other than like. The states are really built for two-party system, and mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people who just who are not super enthused by either party. And yeah, I mean, I, I we're on a weird brink. In my opinion, a third party could, if a third party ever rises up, it's going to be in some you know area where a bunch of people simultaneously pull their heads out of their ass and start mm-hmm. saying like, you know what, like I don't know what the fuck was in this stimulus bill. Sure. But it does seem sketchy. It does seem sketchy that all sorts of stuff gets dumped into relief for the American people, like direct relief. That's what the people need right now. Yeah. And and we're like, you know, the whole world is laughing at us, what I keep hearing, because every other country's been, been giving their folks a lot more money. But even if they didn't give any money, it's weird that... How, how much is going toward when they are giving money how much is going towards these bizarre like concessions on either side of okay we had to give it has to be a, like a defense spending bill or, or whatever which right. is i don't know if that's just how they have to package it up to get the money through or whatever the hell but it, it just it all feels very bizarre and it's like well, that's what that's what we've gotten with the two-party system where Nobody can get anything done, and McConnell McConnell controls what happens in the Senate, right? Which is nuts. Yeah, why does one person have you know that kind of? It's very bizarre. Hold. And then you see the guy and hear him talking, you're like, oh shit! Like he doesn't have any clue what my experience as an American, what yeah. my the ideals I hold dearly as an American are. Does like, anybody in Congress really? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, politicians are are really depressing to talk to. If you ever go, if you talk to former politicians, Mm -hmm. they're depressing to talk to. Like, I mean, I, I don't. It's it's just hard to it's hard to trust people that are in a system that, you know, seems to be so much about itself, so much about, like. But it's also hard to imagine that that anybody could go um, into politics. And have like a firm grasp of like even how the alcohol industry works because we're in Missouri, so there's a massive uh, beer lobby in Jefferson City because Budweiser was based here for so many years and, mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. So so it's hard to imagine that some you know guy from Dent County or whatever can just go. I don't even know if Dent, there's a Dent County, Missouri, isn't there? I think okay, so. so. Yeah. I, I didn't know if I was like channeling some like uh, you know how the the cop shows used to be like this is Dent County yeah. this guy thinks he's above the law <laughs> kind of like Dukes of Hazard yeah thanks with the well, DC I'm, what's the like no like America's <laughs> not America's Most Wanted but the uh, real police videos or whatever uh, do you ever watch that show oh it's like on uh, network TV a lot it's like yeah I can't remember what it's called but yeah. Here we go to Dent County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This perp thinks he's gonna get away. That guy's exactly. voice was yeah. so iconic. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know how is some podunk guy gonna understand the nuances of alcohol laws or mm-hmm. or whatever? And it's like you do see this like the value in okay, this guy can come in and explain where his industry stands and blah blah blah. But I, I don't think the people are mobilized enough to really compete in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm with the voices of multi-billion, multi-million dollar industries, I think if people mobilize, I think you'd have a different conversation. Yeah. It's just people are so, and this is the part that frustrates me, people are like by design sort of disenfranchised from even thinking their voices have any weight whatsoever. And I, and I do think that like the internet has fractured things pretty severely and the and the QAnon and, and some of that bullshit is like, it's hard, it's hard to understand how to think about all of that stuff and and how bad information travels. But you do see the elevation of the everyday guy's voice, and this could be sort of the birth pangs of what happens when you let the everyday guy finally have a voice. Yeah. You kind of get some crazy shit out in the first sort of in the first batch of yeah <laughs> okay let's do. hear what they have to say yeah. okay they're fucking crazy <laughs> it's this like is why we, but it's like let's work through it like let's out, yeah. yeah you're kind of working the bugs out i mean and you'll you'll see that in everyday stuff um the guy that was um 
the, the homeless guy. There's a video on YouTube. Guy, the homeless guy came up to the window and he talks and he's got this real clean, deep radio voice. Yeah, yeah. Gave him a job in radio and yeah. then messed that up because, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a homeless guy for who knows how many years. Yeah. And, just kind of works on your mental, you know, your mentality. And, oh, and, for sure. And that's going to shine through no matter yeah. what you do, you know. Because um, people can change. And people can change really drastically in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, roots always come through. And that's the beauty of it. But that's also, you know, that's also the the kind of, you know, not nail in the coffin for big execs and, and people that, you know, that make the decisions. Yeah. Um, kind of to throw a book reference in there, you know, it's kind of like the Hunger Games when, uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with it. Not overly. I did see the first film. So, so the first film, you, you know that. Um, it, it's kind of like the, the people in big government are, are the, the guys that are, they're judging up in the, up in the seating area, having their feast while they're watching the, uh, uh, tributes kind of show their skill off and Katniss isn't recognized until she presents a threat to their life by you know shooting a shooting an arrow up into their little staging area mm-hmm. so then all eyes are on her and then by the next movie they've put up a force field there so nobody can threaten their life mm-hmm. again it's, it's kind of the same way it is in mm-hmm. real life you know um, people make yeah, decisions any, for you anytime folks punch up mm-hmm. the uh, like, we're gonna find a way to stop yeah, that before it happens yeah. again and then and then we'll continue you know to do what we've always been doing and which, that's how evolution works and we yeah. just process through that yeah and and not you know it's not like a, a call to arms or anything like that it's just you know it's it's kind of the way it is yeah and and until we see that change that you're talking about you know people just kind of standing up for themselves and 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 maybe creating a third party is what needs to happen maybe yeah. maybe rank choice voting which I, I'm sure you know which is big it it's needs interesting to the, those are those solutions it. It's almost like I'm really curious about what's possible with the resources that are currently available to everybody. You know what I mean? Like yeah, what's yeah. what's possible with we can all mobilize, mm-hmm. we can all have conversations. Like there's there's a tradition in this company in this country of uh, of political dissent. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can sort of scoot into that. In my opinion, pop culture kind of uh, you know punk culture, pop culture, it kind of birthed. Uh, this, um, it, which isn't anything new, but like the coolness of anti-authoritarian, you know, thinking, and 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 really, like like my political fo- philosophy is is kind of anti-authoritarian. It's kind of yeah, leans libertarian, um, but I, I think that the world is changing really quickly. So I think I think we need a lot of different people generating a lot of different ideas on yeah. how to solve problems. But I also think that if we focus on local problems first, we might find some solutions that apply up the chain a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you can make them work in smaller contexts or, or you can sort of like develop the philosophy upon which they're based in smaller contexts where you might actually have a shot at disrupting something. Whereas, I mean, rate choice voting is a good example because it's just like no state right now. You, you'll never get enough influence at a state level to make that even close to a possibility. What you might be able to do is disrupt some local sort of yeah. things and, and you might be able to, to, to get enough uh, city council people to think about. And I, I, don't know if it, I don't know if city councils can, can sort of say, hey, we're going to go to rank choice for, for local elections. And then you get that going and then it's like the county says, hey, we're going to try rank choice for county commissioner positions and, you know, whatever other county positions, sheriff or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, then I think you're, you're in an interesting spot because if your area starts to thrive or, you know, folks feel so much more empowered that there's this sort of vitality introduced into the, to the local politics of, of what's happened. Like it, I love kind of playing out those scenarios of like, what's really, what could you really nudge here one way or the other? And yeah. Well, and with your, with your background in law and, and kind of knowing the, 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 the bare bones of it, you know, even, even more the some essential stuff, it's, I could see where in, in your head you're kind of like playing around like, oh, okay, well that could actually be a possibility, but first it'd have to, you know, you'd have to go through steps one, two, yeah. and three to get there. Yeah. And well, the hardest step to figure out is the actual sort of physical mobilization of what unites people enough to rally behind anything, yeah. you know? And it's really hard to imagine in small towns because 
depression is sort of like a recreational drug in small towns. You know what I mean? Like everybody, everybody loves to hate living in a small town or, or loves to sort of, and, and I guess there's sort of like, I guess there's like an ego boost in comparing yourself to like the overall development of your area and concluding, well, I'm improving, but this area is not, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think that's very honest because an like, it's an easy win yeah. and we're like, we're too connected to the area. Like mm-hmm. you can't really, you know, if you go, if you travel a little bit, you start to realize that people associate you with where you're from mm-hmm. and, and you start to realize that you can't disassociate yourself with where you're from and who you are. It's, and it's almost like moving out of your parents' house for the first time. It is. You know? It's that sense like, of, oh, independent. oh shit. Yeah. But, oh, but you're, you know, you're this, these people's son, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you start to realize, I act like I'm those people's son. Mm-hmm. Like, I act like what I am. And like, and, and you start having those types of existential crises that <laughs> uh, that kind of define my entire 20s. But but also that sense of like, yeah, oh, shit. You know, I people. for a few years after, like, because I, I moved, I, I was, I spent like six months in Europe, back and forth, um, and which is awesome i think it was really fun dude it was really fun it got me you know it i burned any savings i had from my early 20s or whatever but it was like it was like okay that was i got that on my system that's really fun and then i came back and then i really burned my savings and went to los angeles for three months and which again i think that's which was really cool and the way i would talk about it after both of those like things it's like yeah, I went to Europe and realized that, like, I belong in America. And then I went to California and realized that, like, I belong in the Midwest. And it was like... Which is a hard pill to swallow. It is a hard pill to swallow. It is a hard pill to swallow. But you know what fucked with me is I went to this this comedy audition and I just completely, like... They said, have a... You know, you... If you're coming to this, you should already have a five-minute set ready. Well, I didn't have anything ready. But, and this was like the next day, and I was just like, oh, maybe I'll just kill it and get a gig and then roll that into something. So I was like, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah. And so I go to this comedy club, and I was blown away. It was in Burbank, which wasn't very far from where I was living. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, like, uh, I go in there, and I'm so nervous, so... It's like a dead bar. It's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But I'm like, I order a beer and I th- I'm looking at the stage that I think we're going to be on. Well, then I find out we're at like some other stage down three hallways, you know, and I'm like, fuck. So I'm like carrying this glass beer that they probably don't want you walking through these hallways with. And yeah. I'm just like super nervous and slurping this thing down. And so finally, I, I, I end up sitting down and talking to this dude. And him and I really, really click and we're like joking and laughing a bunch. And, uh, and so then he goes in and he crushes, I hear him like yelling and doing crazy stuff in there, but yeah. the doors are closed, you know, so then I go in there and I'm just like totally nervous. Like I, I mean, maybe zing off like two jokes in five minutes and they're just like, <laughs> okay. And, and so they like do you, sit do you me down. what the jokes were? Cause I'd love to hear them. <sighs> there was one about how, uh, how it's not that funny. So it, it's, it was about how Google had incognito mode. Um, and so I was like, do tech companies really need to be making a bunch of guys who are looking at porn feel like they're detectives, like sure. slipping into in- incognito <laughs> mode? Like, um, uh, obviously the punchline wasn't very tight, but it was, well, yeah. it was dancing around that. And yeah. I was like, it was just, okay, what is comedy? You know, like, like 24, but obviously you think about, oh shit, I got some jokes. I got some bids. Mm-hmm. I think these would work, but it's yeah. like. You haven't workshopped them in front of a group. You know, you haven't. I had a buddy when I was in college, and, and he said, he. I remember him messaging one time, and, and he was, I liked him because he did the same thing I do, which is like start, or like uh, suggest, oh, we start this club doing this thing, or this club doing that thing, mm-hmm. but then never really followed through, you know? Yeah. So it was like, it was the same spiritual gift I had of pure ideation, zero follow through. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's where it takes a village, you know. It takes yeah, a village to raise a kid. It, it takes does. a village to kind of to get, start anything to see dude. an idea through. Yeah. yeah, no, truly, truly, you you need all the different. Uh, some people can only uh, get the the dopamine boost if they see the thing come to life. You know, mm-hmm. they'll get it at that early stage, and and for where I'm at, it's really and that's that's why podcasting is a really fun medium because it can mm-hmm. stay in that sort of ideational phase with very minimal execution required yeah. other yeah. than set a microphone and having, discuss yeah 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 have a have some fucking uh, podcasting service online and then boom it's all like because mm-hmm. somebody, somebody has to publish this i did it with yeah. podbean but um so 
so it was really interesting. So so this guy and I, well, my buddy in high school had had or in college had suggested we do like a club where if you show up, you have to do five minutes, yeah, and like a comedy club type thing, and it's like. You know, which would be a fucking fun time if 10 mm-hmm. people show up and you had 50 minutes of 10 people trying out jokes, yeah. playing off of other people's energy who had just gone or whatever. And it's like, certainly some people will be killing and kind of spill over and tell some more jokes or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. it does seem like within three months, you'd have like, you'd probably have two or three guys that could do like a decent set somewhere. Yeah. And then it's like, then you have a machine that's generating these like exactly. dudes with a different identity, different whatever. Um, anyway, so, so this dude and I in LA started talking and and he was saying, man, we should do a podcast. We should do a a show or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, dude, like that sounds awesome. When I left there, I started thinking about why the hell am I in LA trying to do this shit? I could just go back home. Cause even this guy who was getting the gig at the comedy club, Mm -hmm. uh, Tom, the, the cool thing about that, that particular comedy club is Tom Arnold was like opening there later that night that I was there and it wasn't on the same stage I thought it was going to be on the same stage but it was a totally different stage but in my mind I was just like I I auditioned at the same comedy club where some famous guy was later yeah. that night like, same building just, yeah same building right dude like yeah. it, was, it was that good feeling you can have but... breakfast at Tiffany's outside of Tiffany's <laughs> <laughs> right I'm I mean still breakfast at Tiffany's yeah exactly dude. yeah um but is that yeah. do you think the local writing clubs are uh, are really helping like generate like cr- help people create that sense of identity around hey I'm a writer like it, for me yeah so really. the the philosophy behind Parkland Writer Circle is if you write in any capacity you're a writer mm, I love you know that. come in and express that if if that's something you want to do and essentially what we do every meeting uh, which is about twice a month um, is we sit down and we 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 have a topic somebody presents in the group they present a topic or a theory or or whatever they want um and mine was just about getting motivated the last one I did was about getting motivated um to write in so any capacity. one person per month yeah well okay. no no it's 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 two classes two well not classes two meetings Modular. a month okay yeah and one person presents for each the first time. yeah yeah each time so for the first maybe you know 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. we we have a presentation of something to do with writing and then the next hour or so um which they usually last about two hours is um we just we talk about anything that we are currently writing Mm. um we had we have projects that we do um every year like little format yeah kind of like this this we're trying to get an anthology going Mm. um so having everybody write short pieces like we it was like well you had to have at least five thousand words to um to put it in there so we could have enough yeah enough content but did you you get there this year uh we we didn't have enough entries to actually make something but we did have you know a few people submit entries and and that's nice to start seeing that come to fruition right just it i just uh right now it's it's just that i don't know if, if it's the pandemic or if it's you know something else going on but it's just we we don't have enough participation mm. you know so um and i don't know it's just it's it was good for me so you know we were talking earlier about yeah, my your my kind journey. of journey yeah right oh and the hell did we get where it's, we got it's cool man here uh, we are we yeah I, and like well something i was gonna say earlier is like i'm not a very political person i never have been but i feel like ever since obama left office it's turned everyone into a political person. Like mm-hmm. it's turned all conversation in that direction in one form or the other. Um, so it's really nice to be able to sit down and talk about something that's not that. Um, oh yeah, you yeah. Know. Th- that's outside of it. Exactly. It's about developing a craft. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so the the journey for me starts, you know, real early. And then I've always wanted to write a book. Still hasn't happened yet, but I'm working that way, you know. Um, and then uh, last year. Um, I started going to this writer's club and how'd you hear about it? I, I found it in the library. Like there was a, the, the library has a, um, like stumble meeting upon group. it. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Um, I, I, I talked to a friend about it. Um, well I had, I'd found it in the, in the library. Um, just on a piece of paper they had like, Oh, we have meetings this month. There's a writing group. There's a book club. So like there's, a flyer. Yeah, saying. essentially. Wow. And I talked to a friend who's like, oh yeah, my friend runs that. So, you know, yeah, try it out. Man. So they kind of pushed me into going and 
you know, I just kind of fell in love with it. And, um, I've, I've been a musician that's kind of been in my past and, and my present and I want to write music. I've, I've had a problem with, uh, coming up with, you know, lyrics enough to sustain for a full song. Like I'll get really good ideas and like, Oh, that's really good. But I need some context, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so this has kind of helped push me through, you know, finding ways to develop those, and, um, you know, there's there's um, a lot of poetry in the group, there's mm-hmm. a lot of... What's, uh, it seems really interesting that, like, it seems to me that it would be, in some ways, a lot more valuable than some, like, online experience, mm-hmm. but what might not be, what might be more difficult is that potentially with some online you could find people more in your zone yeah. into writing a similar style or something but but that might actually be it might be helpful to see some really kind of off the wall stuff from local folks yeah. who just sort of happen to be you know in your local area and join yeah. the writers club yeah and it's nice to be able to sit in person with with people you know socially distanced you mm-hmm. know that that kind of stuff but it's nice to be able to sit in person with somebody and have that physical push mm-hmm. you know that you don't get online which it's kind of like well no one really cares if i submit anything or not or if i write yeah. anything you just kind of you kind of get behind that um idealist kind of like oh i'm just about the idea i don't really want to practice you know practice right. it um but being able to sit down with people and discuss things i'm writing and, and discuss you know and seeing it from so many different points we've got uh, a couple people that are really into sci-fi we got a couple people that are really into western and historical fiction That's so wild and yeah it's it's such a diverse group of of writers that you know um We've got one person that's well, two people really that are really into um, YA, young adult, mm-hmm. um, and and one of them is published. She's got two books out now, mm-hmm. and she's working on her third, fourth, and fifth. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's really cool to to see that come to fruition, and and um, kind of pushes me to to do it a little bit more. But I've always thought it'd be a fun idea to have like a uh, like a a sort of formula where two people could collaborate on something. So like. When I I've listened to Neil Gaiman talk about him and Terry Pratchett collaborating on uh, what was the book the book that was a Showtime series it was called uh, uh, shit I keep wanting to say American Gods but that wasn't uh, ever anyone who's listening to this knows it's the uh, it's about the devil uh, oh Good Omens Good Omens yeah 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 so they Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman collaborated on that mm-hmm. and like they were both semi established but not big Neil Gaiman was yeah. not like. Uh, nearly as successful you know um and terry pratchett had started the uh his big series which is the disc world series mm-hmm. are you familiar i'm with not that familiar one? with yeah. that one yeah he's he's big in that kind of really interesting kind of stuff like kind of comic sci-fi stuff mm-hmm. and uh and so he uh so so they've talked about how they collaborated and it was kind of sending it back and forth and like sort of beat by beat like um back and forth it'd be interesting to me like particularly with a club like that where we're like if if you could come up with some sort of like collaborative formula where it's like so for three months you collaborate with this person you kind of exchange scene for scene but you're really aiming to create something that is a unified work you know and like i wonder what that would do to people's styles even just like the it's it's like like uh you've heard of like space westerns or whatever Mm -hmm. like and, and so it's like it's you could see a lot of really interesting new, like divergent genres. Kind of obviously, everything's been pretty well explored, mm-hmm. but who knows what you could sort of come up with? And the the local identity is just so intriguing to me. Like what that would bring to the writing conversation, yeah. even though that's like that's that's the distinctive, the most overwhelming character. If you're like an out of town writer who's been in writing clubs all over the place, mm-hmm. and you come here, what's going to impress you is like, wow, this is the localness of this the yeah. the ideas that particularly swore in swarm in, or swirl in this particular geographical pool yeah. you know it's like it's it's really a intriguing thing it be you guys really should start a war with all the other riding clubs around here <laughs> and get competitive and then get at each other's throats yeah that's, i don't think that's the aim <laughs> but yeah. you know it's I feel like I, it might actually help build community by maybe. tearing it apart. Maybe, you have to, yeah. Destruction sometimes leads to fertile. Yeah, to new creation. New creation, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I don't think that's the main. I don't think that's the the linear path we're trying to go on. Yeah. But but if I militarize a writers club and come at you guys, yeah. suddenly 
The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> so we're going to have fights and we're going to stab each other with pens. That, yeah, that but you got to get the fountain pens. Yeah. The oh, dude, ones. they've got the real sharp angles on yeah. them. Do you ever use a fountain? How do you write? How do I write? I've Laptop, um, pretty much whatever I've got. I've yeah. got a few journals that I write in. Um, do you ever find yourself like typing story ideas in your phone? Uh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a few now, actually. The one yeah. we talked about, we've discussed about co-writing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which... I think it's just it's great, you know, and uh, I've got a few, uh, you know I've got I've got several on my phone. There's I'm I'm really into kind of creative writing right now, yeah. so I I want to I want to see some like false lore, if you will, I guess come about, come out of here, you know. I yeah. really want to write some like false lore about Farmington. That'd be really oh, cool. I love that dude. Um, just to kind of like oh well, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Momo. But Momo is the Missouri Sasquatch. It's a real thing. Uh-huh. Um, or it's a real myth, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's pretty popular. Yeah. But kind of like that idea, like, have some sort of, um, maybe, I don't know if you want to call it supernatural or, or whatever, yeah. but some sort of mythological yeah. lore come out of Dude, you know, uh, I think I've told you about this before, but uh, uh, Brett and I had this idea years ago of, uh, we called it Twain Punk. And it was like this idea of like... Uh, it, it, it kind of, in my mind, was always the aesthetic of that movie, Tom and Huck, with mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Thomas yeah. um, which was like a pretty pretty definitive movie of my childhood, it seemed like. In really? terms of like, yeah, because it was like, I guess, I don't really remember the story, honestly. I haven't read sure. Tom Sawyer in a long time either, but like uh, just that sense of nature and that sense of... Uh, Huck being so self-sufficient, self-sufficient, having conquered nature and yeah. having, and I feel like he had like a whole little intricate clubhouse out in the woods, if yeah. I remember correctly. I don't, I, I don't remember that movie, but well, the the idea was like this aesthetic piece that was kind of like Missouri, you know, mm-hmm. like frontier Missouri and during this time when you know kids flung ran down wild, Mississippi like on the yeah, raft, flung yeah. down. The, but also sort of like the Lost Boys, like uh, what's is that Peter Pan? They're the Lost yeah. Boys, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like that sense of like these self sufficient boys in the in the woods, like building these little villages and you know these little mini economies within whatever, and it's like like this frontier Missouri that never really existed, but it's like you know kind of this uh, that that would be a, that's a fun world that I'm still intrigued by like yeah. creating that kind of fits into that false lore uh, sort of space but the particular like Farmington story is really interesting Sarah Barton Murphy had the first Sunday school the first Protestant Sunday school on this side of the Mississippi she had, she did it in Farmington Missouri wow. probably within you know probably within a, a tenth of a mile from where we're sitting right now, you oh, know? Yeah. So it's like, it's really intriguing little stuff like that, that like, you could really build those characters out. There is some historical data, mm-hmm. like probably more than you and I would think about those particular figures. Yeah. Just kind of, nobody's really collected it very well. I've thought about, like, we, we really should be anthologizing. This is where like, the analog world is so good at preserving information and kind of keeping it in front of our, our mm-hmm. eyes. So the idea of like small pamphlets about these little like scenes in Farmington's past or whatever, whether they're like false lore, it'd be fun to do like a, a, a double series where like, or it's almost like a you decide if it's true type of thing, yeah. you know, or okay. one's just pure creative bullshit. Yeah. And then the other one is like a, a legitimate yeah. story. Almost from, like, a, uh, you remember that show Beyond Belief? Fact yeah. Fiction? Yeah. yeah. Didn't they, they would fuck with, with people. Well, right? yeah, it like, was, you had to decide. They gave you like five stories within yeah. an episode and you had to decide which ones were true and which ones were false. Wow. And most of them were believable. There yeah. were only a few that were like, okay, there's no way that happened. Yeah. And those are the and ones that were true. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But you know it's 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 crazy. It's it's you know I, I remember one in particular is about and it's a pretty well known story now. I'm pretty sure it's false. I don't I don't re- recall. Uh, but it's about the the woman that was driving and she kept getting bright lighted behind her, so she sped up and and she kept this dude was like on her tail, kept bright lighting her. She ends up at the police station. She gets out of her car and this dude jumps out of a truck and like goes to attack her. But then he opens her back door and there's a murderer, mm-hmm. you know. And every time he'd hold up the knife to kill her, he'd bright light her, and it's like. Yeah. Okay. That seems pretty believable. Yeah. But I don't know if I don't remember if it was fact or fiction. That was, that was a. Sorry to leave you. In no, no, no. I think that that became the plot. That's the beginning of a movie too, of mm-hmm. like a horror movie that was I'm sure. that I've seen in the last like fifteen years or something. Mm-hmm. Um. It, but it's like the girl goes into a gas station, and 
the guy like creepily walks around and locks the door up and as he turns to tell her there's someone in your backseat she bashes him with something and runs oh. out to her car and the reveal what comes. a twist man yeah right like he's he's creepy and it's mm-hmm. an old you know janky yeah. small town like uh, side of the road type stop and and like yeah. Elvin's right yeah it's like an <laughs> Elvin's probably almost yeah. exactly I mean if you think about it, it is funny growing up around here because you you drive by some some of these old places I mean if you go to Ironton like yeah, I mean, there, there's parts of it. Ironton's really kind of coming around now. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, up-and-coming kind of things. But even like 10 years ago going down there, like, oof, it's, it yeah. was depressing. And it, if you go further south, Annapolis, Centerville, some oh, yeah. of those real legit one-horse towns, mm-hmm. you know, you're like... Well, and I'm, I'm sure that there's people in Annapolis that are just like 100% off the grid just because yeah. they don't want to be known, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know what's crazy to me is there's also people in Annapolis who are... Uh, who are like young aspiring writers that probably yeah. have like an insane talent for it, and it's like, man, I feel like if you could really get like a resurgence rolling through mm-hmm. St. Francis County, those areas feed off of St. Francis County and Farmington anyway. Yeah. A lot of the surrounding small, little, tiny one-horse towns, you know, it's it's wild how you could get and analog seems to do it because analog seems to have so much more power in area in rural areas like that Mm -hmm. that like you said are still pretty much off the grid it's like they would need to see some physical something Mm -hmm. in order to grasp like oh shit this is real this is these guys are making something they're putting something out there yeah and i think i I, you know you talked about the the llc that you want to kind of publish even small works would is like i said i think that's a great a great thing for this community because we don't we haven't seen that you know yeah. that's something I don't know about if it's here you know no it's definitely not here yeah there's a there's a lot that's not here that I think could be and uh, we will talk about those things the next time we get together and talk which should be pretty soon because yeah. seems like you've got a lot going on right now so yeah, a lot of, I'm in a lot of projects I mean Good. there's a um, the writing group's going uh, yeah. uh, working on a podcast um, Good. working on some music you know Good. just well, next time you drop something, come back and we'll talk for about sure, it. For sure, man. And do you want to you wanna play a little sure. outro for us? Sure, sure. I'll, uh... Are we in tune? Give you a little ditty. I'm sure we will. <laughs> I might just play a few times and you can edit out. You can edit the best one. Yeah, just let it rip, dude. <laughs> just let it rip, okay. Stop.